Hi, welcome to Navel Gazing, the Valley Indie podcast. We're heard on valleyindie.org, newhavenindependent.org, iTunes, SoundCloud, and WNHH 103.5, New Haven's community radio station. My name is Eugene Driscoll, and I'm one of the reporters at valleyindie.org. And today we're going to have two different interviews spliced together on this podcast. First, we're going to talk to Jackie Downing of the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven about the Great Give, which is coming up May 2nd and May 3rd, less than a month away. Great Give, if you're not familiar, is a 36-hour online giving event. It's going to benefit some 400 nonprofits in Greater New Haven and the Naugatuck Valley, including valleyindy.org. Basically, for 36 hours, you can donate money online and help a whole array of programs and organizations, most importantly, people, your neighbors. So Jackie's going to talk about how you can get involved if you're a nonprofit, how you can sign up. There's still some time, although the deadline is quickly approaching. Then after that, I'm going to replay for you last week uh, interviews that Ethan Fry conducted. Ethan Fry is the other reporter here. He covered the sentencing of the former Derby Senior Center Executive Director, Sarah Moyo. She was sentenced to accelerated rehab last week. She was, had been accused of uh, stealing from the Derby Senior Center, stealing money from uh, the place where she used to work. Uh, it was a well-read story, of course, very controversial. A lot of people were asking questions about accelerated rehab. Who, what message does this, does this send? And Ethan Fry asks all those questions. I don't know if a lot of people listened to the interviews when we first embedded them in the story when the news broke last week. So I thought I would post them separately as a second part of this podcast. But that's it. So up first, Jackie Downing. And then right after that, we'll go right into the Sarah Moyo reaction tape. So on the line with us is Jackie Downing of the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven. Jackie, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Thank you, Eugene. So let's talk about The Great Give. I mean, we're a nonprofit website, and we benefit from The Great Give, and we have a great time with it every year. But I'm only seeing it from my perspective. If you could explain uh, what The Great Give is to perhaps someone who's not familiar with it. The Great Give is a 36-hour online giving challenge where we try to mobilize philanthropy in the greater New Haven community to do good work for the more than this year 400 nonprofits that will be participating in the event. It's a chance for everyone to become a philanthropist on that day. Gifts start at $25. There is no maximum. And we've had gifts from $25 to $12,000 in the campaign. And this is a chance for everyone to support the organizations and causes that are most important to them. And Jackie, you're with the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven. What's your title there? I'm the director of grant making and nonprofit effectiveness. So now the great Along give. <laughs> yeah, right. I was going to say. Then we'll, 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 the in terms of the great give coming up. Uh, when is it again? It's May second. Is that right? May second and third. We start at eight a.m. on May second and goes thirty six hours until eight p.m. on May third. 36 hours straight. And traditionally, Ethan and I, the other reporter here, we've done a webcast 
for the last two or three years. For 36 hours straight, we'll just have our video cameras going. Uh, it's basically cable access, but live for 36 hours, and we'll have all these nonprofits come in and uh, try to tell people, here's how you can donate and support uh, this nonprofit, here's what they do, and here's how you can help. So we have like this tunnel vision of the Great Give, just confined to the ugly bare walls of our office. And I always imagine the people down at the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven, it's like inside Tron, there's like some kind of hub. What's the Great Give like from your perspective? What do you do to prepare? And what is it like once it actually starts? It's 36 hours of total hum. Um, it's the same, the same, maybe not bare walls here at the Community Foundation, but many of the staff members are all hands-on during the 36 hours of the Great Give because we're awarding prizes on an hourly basis. We're working with donors who may be experiencing difficulties or who want to know more about how to do what they want to do. We're working with nonprofits that are that are doing special campaigns during the day, so we try to promote them as much as we can. Our communication side is putting out um, social media blasts and emails as often as they can to talk about the different prizes that are available. We're watching the leaderboard constantly. We're obsessed with the leaderboard, mm. and we watch the leaderboard as I'm sure you, I, I, I've seen you do too, because um, I've watched part of your podcast. I couldn't watch the whole 36 hours, but we've certainly watched some of it um, for your broadcast, and it's it's a lot of fun. We're in the same mode, but we're dealing with 400 nonprofits, wow. whereas you're dealing with just those that come through your door. And for us, it's important that everyone succeeds, everyone has maximum resources to be able to put forth this for this. So we do a lot of training for the nonprofits. That's that nonprofit effectiveness on my title. Okay. We do workshops for nonprofits in advance of the Great Give to help them understand how to put together a social media campaign, how to engage and keep donors, um, how to work with each other and collaborate. You know, all boats rise. In this, no one owns a donor. If an organization has a neighboring nonprofit that they can work with or a nonprofit that they work with programmatically and they want to work together to promote this, we, we embrace that and um, encourage it and do what we can to support that activity. So we try to bring people together to share their best practices. No one has secrets in, 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 this, in this giving event. So folks are very forthcoming about the techniques that they've used to be successful so that they can make other organizations successful as well. And, and here in the Naugatuck Valley, there's a forum coming up or a seminar coming up Wednesday uh, on that very uh, issue. Some of the Great Give participants, nonprofits that are local to the Lower Valley here, are going to be talking about how they do how they do what they what they do in terms of raising money during the Great Give. Uh, center Stage is is one that's uh, uh, really impressive. Uh, the amount of money they raise every year, and then probably like the aside is that. What I love about the Great Give, and I sort of got caught up in it the, the first time we did it, is the just the spirit that it builds. Uh, you know, the nonprofits exist, and uh, I don't think people really take time to, to acknowledge the, the hard work they're doing every day. And just the direct impact you can have at, during the Great Give to help other people and other organizations is, uh, is just really cool. And that leaderboard, yeah, it's so exciting to see such an outpouring of support for all these different nonprofits. Uh, if I'm a nonprofit and I'm not that familiar with the Great Give, is, it, is there still time for me to get involved and to register? 
Yes, you can. A nonprofit at this point can still register through thegategive.org. There's a registration form, and that is open until April 14th. That's the last day to register. Um, those organizations um, just fill out an abbreviated form, and they're able to participate in the Great Give this year. That form does disappear at 8 p.m. on May 3rd when the campaign is over, but the majority of organizations that participate in the Great Give are profiled on givegreater.org. That is a platform that runs 365 24-7, and we have 375 organizations that are profiled on that alone, and that gives organizations the opportunity to have an online presence year-round, mm. lets them participate in other giving events and initiatives, and gives some smaller organizations an opportunity to have people be able to give gifts through credit cards without setting up their own processes. Yeah, that, that raises a good point. When, whenever we uh, do the Great Give here at the Valley Indy, we'll get some, they're not negative comments, but there is the concern that, oh, wait a second, if I give you know, $2 to the Valley Indy, is $1.50 going to process uh, uh, the credit card? But I, I've tried to turn around and say, hey, hey, look, this is not something we can do on our own. Uh, you know, your, your, your donations do have value and they are being used the right way. We would be, I mean, without the Great Give every year, we would be sort of uh, listless. It's really a huge help. And there's no way we could organize this grassroots individual fundraising just on our own. Uh, so you get that a lot. Like, what, what's the percentage? Like, how much, if someone gives on a credit card, how much goes to, uh, to processing that, that donation? There's 5.9% um, goes to processing, and that gets pulled from the Kimbia site that, is, uh, that provides the platform for the ongoing giving challenge. They provide the security. In our eight campaigns, we have never had a security breach, mm. so they have a very high level of security. Uh, and, and they're similar if you're making an online gift anyplace else or making a purchase. They're similar to the PayPal level. Mm. So when you make a purchase online through PayPal, you pay PayPal for that. Right. Yeah, that's a normal course so of business. So in the same now. way, we're paying Kimbia to manage this event for us, and, and we, this, they pull a fee on each transaction. In addition to that, the credit cards pull a fee. So that's part of the 59 so each credit card, depending on what credit card you use, it can be higher or lower. Um, Amex and Discover are higher fees than MasterCard and Visa. Oh, gotcha. But it averages out to about 5.9. So we, we take a flat 5.9 out to cover the credit card fees and the processing fees. There is nothing that comes to the Community Foundation. We put in, um, this year we're putting in better than $70,000 in marketing expenses. Wow, okay. We also put in more than with our sponsor, with our other sponsors, the Valley Community Foundation and a few others, we put in more than $180,000 in prizes and incentives. Mm. We, do not take, we do not take any fee from, from any nonprofit or from any gift toward our support of this event. It's our way of mustering philanthropy in the community. It's our way to get new donors to come out and inspire what they believe in and what they're passionate about. So we do a great deal of marketing to support what the nonprofits are doing. We have radio time. We have postcards that go out to um, past donors and potential donors. This year we're doing a special matching pool for 
next-gen donors, those born between 1974 and 1989. They're the folks that are going to start to take over in our world, and we're asking them to engage philanthropically at this point in something that they believe in. So we have a special matching pool just for them. The Valley Community Foundation provides a matching pool for anyone who lives or works in the Valley, and you can self-identify on the the donation form so that there's an extra match that goes to those organizations that have donors that fall into that category. And then on top of that, there's a match pool provided by uh, the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven that goes to every gift that is made. So, Jack, I had uh, one last question before you go. In terms of the pressure that nonprofits are under this year in 2017, specifically because of all the turmoil going on with the federal budget and the state budget, what are you feeling uh, in your organization? What's the, what's the sense among the nonprofits out there? Well, m- most of the nonprofits that we've spoken with are really scared about what's going to happen, both with the, with the federal legislation and the state budget. Um, cuts are devastating to many of the organizations. We've seen some organizations cut as much as 40%, but the need is still there in the community. So they're not sure where these resources are going to come from. So, you know, the, the government has told us they think philanthropy can make this up. I'm not sure that that's true, but it would, we are trying to make sure that these nonprofits have the opportunity, if there are donors out there, to make those connections so that the critical services that they provide for this community can continue. And then as an aside, you had mentioned uh, the Give Greater website. One of the great things about uh, the Great Give is that you can look up. I mean, if you wanted to donate to any organization, you can go there and look up their taxes, look up their 990s, see who's on the board. It's really a transparent thing. You, these organizations are sort of vetted before they go up there. Uh, so that's a good thing. And we point people to uh, that website all the time because if you have questions about who we are, there it is. Uh, so that's right. a great thing. And then anybody who's not familiar with the nonprofit world and, and, and grant making and all that, I mean, matching is just if you live in the Valley and you donate, your money goes further because there's uh, the Valley Community Foundation, like you mentioned, uh, matches up to a point. It's all really good. Are there any other uh, workshops or information sessions coming up for any nonprofits that want to get involved? Well, we have one tomorrow morning um, on engaging donors, and then we have two webinars coming up. One is a webinar on how to account for gifts, because the gifts have to come in. So to keep your auditor happy and to keep your do- and to keep good records for donors, we're doing a, a webinar on accounting for gifts. We also have a webinar that Kimbia is hosting for our nonprofits to talk about the mechanics of using the site, what links they'll have, what opportunities they'll have, what they should be looking for throughout the weeks leading up to and the 36 hours of the event and then the follow through as well. So we do have those two workshops, those two webinars and one workshop coming up. And then how would I find out more information about when the webinars are? You can go to our our website, which is cfgnh.org. And under Strengthening Nonprofits, there's a workshops tab. And that will lead you right to all of the workshops that are still available, and one can register online for those. They are all free. They're all open. The webinars, you can either come in here and work with us as we do the the accounting one or take from your own desk at home. That's awesome. Jackie, is there anything else you wanted to add or an area that I'm not asking that you feel is important to stress for our listeners? 
Well, you did mention give greater, and it, you know, it can be very confusing for, for donors to hear all the terminology. Hmm. Give greater is the website that lives year-round, and that we use, we hope that donors will use to inform their giving. There are lots of organizations out there asking for money. Those that take the time to put a full profile on Give Greater have great transparency, and a donor can make an informed decision about an organization by really taking a look at that. That's live now, and it will and it lives forever. So organ- donors who are looking for information can go there about a specific organization, or if a donor has a particular interest in serving youth, you can go there and search by category. So you can look at all of the organizations that are youth-serving organizations in Greater New Haven and make your decisions by looking at it that way. The Great Give has some additional organizations that come in through that simple registration form we talked about that's mm-hmm. open until April 14th. So there are some other organizations. They are categorized as well, so you'll be able to see where they fall in the landscape of nonprofits. But we encourage donors to go in advance and take a look at those organizations and see, sort of line up the ones that they'd like to be supporting. We also have the opportunity for donors starting April 17th to pre-schedule a gift. So if you plan to be away and there's not going to be Internet service where you are during the May 2nd and 3rd or you have some, uh, something important that you, can't, you know you're not going to be able to get to online in that 36 hours, starting April 17th, you can go to thegreatgive.org and pre-schedule your gift to one or more nonprofits. And it will be held until the overnight hours on May 3rd, and that's when the gift will process in. Nice. But every gift counts towards prizes. Um, organizations really are, get very creative about their their search for prizes, and even those who don't win the prize still win because they've mustered a lot of folks to support them. So we love to see that going on. In, we wish we could give more prizes. Um, if there's an opportunity for sponsors to do prizes, it's a great way to get a name out in a particular area. So if you have listeners who are interested in talking about prizes, they can contact me at the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven. So I think that covers everything that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, that's great, Jackie. And uh, you know, obviously I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm biased because, uh, you know, we participate in the Great Gift, but it really is an, an awesome event. It builds community spirit. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll just find yourself compelled to donate to these organizations as you watch the leaderboard and those 36 hours uh, go on and on. It's really a, an awesome event. We're looking forward to it. So now I should hang up and get ready for it because I got, I got to register for some webinars right now. Okay, very good, Eugene. I appreciate it, Jackie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was Jackie Downing of the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven. And now to wrap it up, I'm just going to replay for you interviews that Ethan Fry conducted last week. Uh, Today's April 4th, so this was uh, the end of last week. Uh, Sarah Moyo, the Derby, or Derby's former executive director of its senior center, was sentenced to accelerated rehab, which basically says if you don't get in trouble again, they'll take this uh, crime off your record. She had been accused of stealing from the senior center. And after the sentence, Ethan interviewed the prosecutor, prosecutor the defense lawyer, and Derby Mayor Anita Degato. So without further ado, here or Ethan's interviews. And after that, we'll just fade to black. Thanks. I'm joined 
by Ethan Fry, Valley Indie Reporter. What's going on? Not much. Ethan just got back, not just, but uh, within the last few hours, got back from a court appearance in Milford. Who was appearing and how to go? Uh, this was an appearance by the former director of the Derby Senior Center, Sarah Moyo. She was arrested last May, uh, charged with first-degree larceny um, and accused of uh, embezzling money from the senior center um, and then spending it on uh, items for her herself and her family, like at her house. She had an application pending today for accelerated rehabilitation, right? Yeah, and basically what that is is... And I should just say today is... What, what's today? Today is... Uh, March 30th? Thursday, March 30th. Yeah, basically accelerated rehabilitation is for uh, people who don't have criminal records and in cases where the uh, judge has to find that the crime isn't serious and the defendant is unlikely to commit crimes in the future. And if that's the case, or if a judge determines that's the case, uh, he could uh, continue the matter for up to two years. It's essentially unsupervised probation. And then if the person does not get arrested again, and does all the stuff that they're asked to do uh, through, you know, if the judge orders them to do community service or something, then the case, the charge will be dismissed, and it's as if they were never arrested in the first place legally. It, it's a really common disposition to mm -hmm. use the uh, court term, like I'm a lawyer, uh, and uh, it's all you know. It's it's usually uh, first time offenders, non-violence. Yes, not, yes, not yes. non-violent crimes. So, and that's what uh, she had the application pending, and she ended up the judge granted it. Mm -hmm. What was the uh, what was the mood in the courtroom? And I guess she spoke. What was Sarah's uh, demeanor during? Yeah, it was um, the 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 mayor of Derby, Anita Dugato, was there. Uh, a lawyer representing the city was there. Uh, they objected to her application for the program. So did the prosecutor. Uh, in the case, uh, Kevin Lawler, Moyo was there. Uh, obviously, she apologized. She read a statement, basically apologizing to the senior center and the the city of Derby and her own family. And at the end of the hearing, the judge basically said, uh, "Who was the judge?" Judge Frank Iannotti. Um, uh, the judge said basically when a person comes in applying for AR and admits what they did was wrong and has full restitution, then it's usually an easy decision. You, you know, uh, you grant the application. Uh, but because the in this case it was public funds, stealing from the public, then it, it was... Uh, it was less an easy decision, he said. Uh, and in addition to like Mayor Degato opposing AR for the former senior center director, I guess Art Gerkins, who's an alderman uh, in Derby Second Ward, he had circulated a, a petition. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't. I missed that board of aldermen meeting when it came up. But uh, was that mentioned in any way? The petition that the had petition, gone around. It, it was not like it was not like formally handed up to the judge that I saw. I, you know, it could have been beforehand. Yeah, yeah. I, there were. I know there were letters uh, written on Moyo's behalf that went to the judge. But uh, when a person applies for AR, the file is sealed, so we can't see any of them. The one thing that's come out of this. And I'm not uh, I'm not going to hesitate to say this, but there was no supervision of the books mm. at the Derby Senior Center. And that's something that like came out during, none during the hearing. Yeah, was that you know the initial all the sides agree on that. 
the initial allegation was like there's thirty thousand dollars in questionable charges or whatever and then as you know uh, moyo's lawyer as a you know a good lawyer will do was you know subpoenaing bank records and all sorts of stuff to to try to get that number down he says you know and it's it's not like she didn't steal at all like he he, he says like the number's closer to 7500 uh they settled on 10,000 as as a figure for like the restitution anyway so let's uh, play the first interview here and this was recorded with uh the prosecutor the chief state attorney state's uh, attorney what did i say chief state's attorney I don't know. It's a Connecticut thing. I don't. During, I don't during, the, during court, the, well, they just the say prosecutor made the same mistake. And I was like, you gave him a promotion. But it, uh, uh, yeah, L.A. Each, law never each, had each judicial chiefs. district has a state's attorney, state's attorney a now, top prosecutor, essentially. Who now hates me? I'm glad I'm not on camera. <laughs> uh, Kevin Lawler. Any comment on the judge's uh, Moyo decision? Are you uh, disappointed? I would... No, I'm not disappointed. I think the the judge struggled with both sides of that. Uh, you know, I think uh, reasonable minds can disagree. I believe that a theft of public funds is of a serious nature. Um, but that being said, I think the judge gave about as thoughtful uh, a response as he could and balanced a lot of competing interests. And uh, you know, the state did what we could do to try and reach a just result. And uh, um, that's, that's all we can do. So, you know, that's... Are you worried that uh, somebody who works for um, community, say, sees a decision like this and thinks, well, as long as I volunteer with other organizations and stuff, I can, I can steal ten grand and then not have a criminal conviction? I think every case is unique. Every case is decided on its own particular facts. And, uh, you know, as far as what messages are sent, I don't know. I couldn't answer that. But, you know, from the prosecution point of view, thefts in the public community uh, will be uh, prosecuted vigorously. She was charged with larceny in the first degree. But uh, the legislature allows you to uh, uh, apply for AR in that circumstance. You know, we enforce the law as, it, as it's written, not as people think it should be. Do you think the legislature should carve out a thing in the in the AR statute not that my, says not my decision. That's that's up to them. Who's going to be watching over her other than probation? She doesn't do something like this. Uh, I think the people of Derby will be watching her very closely. But she's never going to go. She lives in Milford. She's never going to go back. And, and I don't know. Who's going to make sure that she doesn't seek employment where she's going to be handling up? That's the job of the probation department to enforce the court's orders. And again, this case isn't isn't resolved for two years. Should she consciously violate the court's orders, she's subject to being brought back in, facing up to 20 years in prison for larceny in the first degree. I mean, it's more a question for Mr. Thomas, but the, like, do our shoddy accounting procedures uh, excuse theft? I mean, they don't like, excuse theft, but you have to be able to prove theft. So that was the prosecutor, Kevin Lawler, and this is Eugene Driscoll on Valley Naval Gazing, which is heard on WNHH 103.5 New Haven's community radio station. We never do that FCC ID anymore, and I think we're going to jail for it in the mm. new, in the new, uh, the new era. So, okay, so here's now Mayor uh, Degato. It's only a minute long. This is you talking to her after uh, Sarah was accepted into the AR pro program. Moyo. 
can never yes. say her last name, after Sarah Moyle was accepted into the AR program, which is essentially a special form of probation that if you keep your nose clean for two years, the crime uh, is erased from the record. Mayor Degato, what kind of message do you think the judge's decision sends to other uh, employees of the city of Derby who, uh, you know, does it give them a green light to steal as long as they volunteer? At, at, I think it, listening to his um, verdict was very comprehensive. She was not let off the hook anyway. Just as she qualified for AR uh, and she was awarded AR, she needs to take classes, and she has to pay full rest uh, the what they agreed on, the recitation they agreed on, and she's got to take classes. So, you know, in two years, she has to be that good person that the judge hopes she will become. And then uh, the there there seemed to be like a confusion over how much, or a dispute over how much money was uh, allegedly taken. Uh, are there any different accounting procedures or oh, is definitely. any There's review? definitely procedures. The board that's made up of the membership, it, it right away, uh, was able to see the bank statements. That was never done before. Credit card has been shredded. There's no need for credit card. The city offers the senior center um, a, uh, a budget for anything emergency. That money that was um, that was taken, the money was taken from, and um, furniture was purchased from, um, was in-house. And um, it was never in the minus. That account had almost $30,000. Um, it was never in the minus. And um, now it is like 14, Lena? Yes, less than 14. Less than 14. So that's in house um, money uh, that belong to the seniors. They raise in their Derby Day booth and so on and so forth. So, so it wasn't money that the, the city had budgeted? No, it, that it was, was money that, that came was, in for programs that correct. she was skimming off of essentially? So, it, yes, the internal money that they they do so many programs. They, 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 the craft. They do crafts and they sell them. They do raffles on. scholarships to the high school seniors. Yeah. So that's the internal money that they that they. But own. I mean, it would have been used for the seniors if she hadn't yeah. stolen. Yeah. So in the same venue, the the new director and uh, under the guidance of the membership committee, um, any items that are purchased need to go through a vetting process. It has to, it's nothing spent for emergency. There's no reason for that. We have city budget to take care of anything in, in the building for emergency. So it's always been um, now, It's um, there's new procedures in place. I mean, they could talk more on how they do that, but the board sees the bank, bank statements. So are, you, are you disappointed with the judge's decision? I, I honor what he has to say. I mean, it, it, I did my job defending the seniors, and you know, it's it's up to the judge. And that's where. Um, but the money that today. comes in cash, the cash that comes in when they pay for something, their food. They do dinners. Yeah, they do a monthly dinner. They do a monthly breakfast. It's four dollars. I think. So. And each of those events are now being kept track of as to the reason comes in and exactly what comes out. All right, like I said, that was Mayor Degato. And then to close out our reporting on this story, last but not least, is Dominic Thomas, who represented Sarah Muyo. I think it was, I'm happy for my client. Uh, I'm happy that she can go forward now, uh, and I, I don't have any fears that she can. Like, if there is someone who works for the city of Derby who saw what happened in court today, um, 
don't you think the what they could infer from that is, hey, I could steal ten grand as long as I do volunteer work and get a good lawyer no, to apply AR. No, for that, me? that would be that would be a, a completely superficial thing because uh, the fact of the matter is, as the judge said, he took the whole life into account. He took the whole picture into account. Well, if you, like, if, if if you, you have you, a good life, can you steal ten grand? Then is that what is they're saying well, essentially? If if you're saying, <laughs> well, I have a good life, life. If I have a good life, I'm just going to go steal it. There were many other factors that the judge pointed out that impacted this. I mean, one of the things that was in the report and everything like that that I mentioned in there is she and her family put substantial amounts of money into the center. Now. The proper that the proper way isn't to go use the credit card to take it out. You know what I mean? That isn't that isn't the point. That's improper. But I, I that is a, a completely simplistic view to say. Therefore, in under that case, no one should get AR. Under your philosophy, nobody should ever get AR. Nobody should ever get it because, in fact, any anybody that's given AR that anybody could look at and say, "Oh, I can do that." No, that's not the case. That's not the case, and you look at the total picture, and also you look at, there were many other factors. What, you want to write a story? Go pull that arrest warrant. Find out who well, misrepresented. Well, the file sealed. Sealed now. Who, who misrepresented to the police? Somebody, the statements to the police were, nobody ever used that card, she's the only one that had possession of it. Total wrong. It was totally wrong. Wouldn't that be like making a false report? Like, I don't know. I'm not out to get anybody else. So do you think other crimes were committed to. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I was asked that question <coughs> in a conference with that. And I am not one to loosely accuse anybody of a crime. Okay? I do not believe, nor do I have any evidence of any crimes being committed by other people. I just believe that the senior center finances need to be controlled the way any other entity within the city or any other nonprofit is controlled. There needs to be appropriate supervision. They operated too much on a cash basis. They operated without records. I subpoenaed the receipts, I never received them. I have no idea where they are. But where is their accounting? That was my point. That is not, I want you to stress, this is not an excuse for my client, you know what I mean? But what I'm saying to you is, these are the kind of things I think that the Derby needs to take a look at. That's been true in the Derby Tax Collector's Office, Ansonia Tax Collector's Office. People bring in cash and nobody accounts for it. No, well, that's, that, Mike, that's an oversimplification, okay? I mean, the, I handled the Oxford Tax Collector's case. It's an oversimplification of what was going on in there. You have to understand something. In many of these cases, and this is one of the points I made in my report, there is efforts to conceal. One of the reasons the judge pointed out uh, her aberrant behavior is there was no effort to conceal anything. You know what I mean? I mean, you could have easily picked up the statement, taken a look at it, and seen, you know, what was done. There wasn't an effort to conceal it. So, you know... You know, as the ju as judge said, it was a very difficult decision for her. I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased for my client. I hope. She, I'm confident she will play it forward, like the judge said. All right. So with that, that brings uh, our stories, hopefully, on this matter to an end. We've covered it uh, from the beginning. I've now uh, fulfilled my. 
podcast duties to WNHH 103.5 in New Haven. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Later.